All right, welcome back to another episode of How to Be Evil on Todd. I am Ari. This is where two guys show you how they do it between the two of them. <laughs> and today we're gonna do um, we're gonna go into a, a topic. I think this is this is probably one of the most important topics. I think of the uh, the initial phase of this podcast. Uh, we're gonna talk about choosing an impression. Um, you know what you want to portray when you do your living history, and and, and what what, what kind of goes into it. It's not. You know, one would just pick up some garb, some clothes, pick a sword up and like, hey, I'm a knight. There's, I think there's a lot that go into it, uh, a lot of research, um, a lot of time, a lot of money, um, a lot of effort on your part and parts of others to help you, you know, get a historically accurate impression or portrayal of a certain period or time or, or an individual that you want to portray. So I, I'm kind of excited about this because this is going to this is not just going to be a one one episode kind of deal. I think this can be a breakdown of multiple episode, maybe bring in our first guest and uh, we talk about you know, impressions. Oh, absolutely. And and making your impression is really a lifelong pursuit when you're talking about living history, because you're always learning, you're always developing. But the hard part, considering it's something that people have done for years and years and fine tuned is what do you do to start? And so a couple things that we want to hit on to give you an idea of where to orient yourself is you're starting a living history impression but what is it that you want to impress and what does that really mean that you're making an impression? So Todd, if you wouldn't mind letting them know what we mean by an impression or making a, uh, a portrayal. So, yeah, so I, I use the word, I use the word portrayal more, you know, I want to portray something. Um, I'm not really, I know I'm not a knight. I know I'm not a, uh, I'm a soldier, but not a, mo- a modern day soldier. Um, but when when I think of a portrayal is what you're portraying, what you're trying to, you know, in, enact in 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 live that life, that person or that that uh, job skill set or that status or, you know, um, it, when it and when it comes down to it, I mean, it's just that is what you are portraying yourself as. Um, you know, are you are you your soldier? Are you a a commoner? Are you going to be you know, higher up on the, the, the higher status on the, the chivalric code. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, to me, that's, that, that's what, um, I think the wording, I think they're, you know, I, I like to use the word portrayal. Like that's what I want to portray. Um, not much as in, an impression where you, where you're leaving that, um, on others, that impression on others. But to me, it's, it's what you're trying to, to show others or to yourself. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. What, what do you think on what, what do you, what do you, what's your thoughts? I think it's great the way you describe that because when I think of the word impression, like you're saying, you know, you're trying to leave an impression, you're trying to make someone feel something about a particular part of history that they have no other way to get in contact with. And especially when you think of the general public, you here have done the hours or years of research into this and you're able to, to distill it down and and bring it to them in a package that they're able to experience. And I think that's what I've always meant when I say or hear the idea of making an impression, not just this is my impression of what history was, but I'm going to make an impression on you of how you would have experienced life at this time. And of course, you have to bring forward a proper portrayal. So when you're bringing forward a a portrayal and you're trying to create an impression, no one comes into this blind. I don't know if anyone who is listening to this podcast or is interested in this genre of hobby that has no idea what they're interested in. And I think that's the yeah. uh, the best place to really start when you're talking about how to develop an impression. There's a lot of personal work that needs to be done and not a lot of answers we can give at that point because you have to start with 
what it is that drew you to history in the first place. So yeah, exa- exactly. I mean, just real quick, like, it's like you're not going to do an impression of a baker if you don't like cooking. You know, that's not what drew you in. Um, it, it, everyone comes with uh, that hobby bite. Uh, maybe there is not much of a, a history love. Maybe you, your your love of history is developing as you see this stuff. You know, the people actually doing this stuff. You're like, oh man, hands on history. That's great. Um, but you're right. You have some type of interest. You know, did Game of Thrones get you interested in, in medieval combat? <laughs> Um, but there, there's, there's a, there's something that drew you in and I agree. Sorry that I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. No. And you, you make a great point. What is it that brings you into this? You have to understand that your motivation is the most important part because you're going to bring that motivation to people who have zero interest in this or have a completely unknown interest in what you're doing. You're, you're not necessarily trying to sell it to them, but you, you have to bring the enthusiasm. So when you're thinking about making an impression, what is it that brought you in? You think about, is it a type of historic figure that you want to know more about? You know, you think about you know, television, you see the Viking show, but then there's shows like Game of Thrones where there's knights or you watch movies with crusaders or you think of Robin Hood and he's this great, you know, archer. And so you have this theme in mind of a specific type of person or Maybe it's that you watched the TV show Rome or you have ancestors who came up in colonial America. And so you've got this era that you want to look into or what I think a surprising number of people come into this because they have a specific piece of equipment that they like. Say they saw a helmet that they thought was really cool or a type of sword or a look of you know a t- cut of coat or a type of dress these are seeds that you can then build off of to make your impression as you go along understanding of course that you're going to have to make a lot of corrections to what you think you know as you go along and and it might not be you know you might not get on the first try you know you might not when you start uh trying to do a a portrayal or impression of a certain thing that you find out oh this is probably not what i'm really interested in you know you know going back to our first episode we kind of give our introduction ourselves you know i talked about how you know the renaissance fair was a big impact on um me getting into living history and it's like what drew me to the encampments you know was like you said it was a, it was a piece of equipment um you know I, I did renaissance uh 16th century you know mid 16th century reenactment at first so it wasn't, wasn't even medieval um but the type of you know the weapons the swords the pikes um the the, the early you know the firearms the developed firearms and that's what drew me in. And then as I got into it, I realized, oh, I like this stuff, but I like to go back further because, you know, I still had that initial love of knights and castles when I was a kid that kind of drew in. And then, oh, by the way, I like Rome, you know, the, the Roman army, you know, and it did a little dabbing in the Roman stuff. So, I mean, it's just like it, it, it's it's hard because you got to kind of you, you can you can dab a little bit in everything, but never have a good impression. Um, or you can concentrate on that one impression, master that impression, and then move on or you know something spurs off from that. What do you think about that? There's nothing wrong with having multiple impressions. I know a lot of people who have their you know irons in a lot of different fires, but they don't try and bring all of those impressions together in one because they want to make sure they're adhering to good living history principles, which mm-hmm. is an, the next thing that we need to start talking about is once you start to come up to an idea of what you want. Either I want to be a knight or I want to be from ancient Rome or I want to have this specific matchlock rifle. 
once you have something you want to build around and a solid anchor, you have to narrow down the scope so that you are keeping a consistent and coherent impression. And that's that's when we start to get into the nitty gritty of what does it mean to have an impression? It means that you have a very narrow scope. And there's a lot of debate, I suppose, or different comfort levels on what a narrow scope is. And the easiest way to narrow down your scope is to pick a shorter time window. So mm -hmm. what is your time window for your impression? So I, I generally stick to about 1400 to about 1420. Um, most of my equipment and kit, um, since I do a mostly a commoner, um, common soldier impression out there in the, the unit, um, some of the stuff, you know, is pushing its age, you know, some of the weapons would, would be a common soldier's equipment doesn't have the best. So you're, uh, you know, I'm pushing some of the stuff to 14, 1450. So ashen core time, uh, but nothing past 1420 because, you know, the arms race took off and there's, so, you know, there's so much new, you know, technology and equipment going on. So I, I stick, it was hard because you, you, you say, well, I'm a 15th century actor. Okay. 15th century is a hundred years. There's a lot of changes in a hundred years. So you really got to break it down to like, okay, I'm 15th century, but I'm, I'm turn of the century. And, uh, and I, I keep it to about 14 to 1420. That's about where I can push the limits of my, my kit and equipment. Yeah, that 10, 15 year plus or minus seems to be the gold standard. It's like that sweet spot. When you try and go any narrower, it's it's very difficult to to prove things, to find evidence of things. And a lot yeah. of people get this really bad sense because we use terms like 14th century, 13th century, 11th century, that medieval history is just this one big, long blob of things that never change. Just think of yeah. you know, think of today the style changes even the subtle ones if not the major ones from the 80s to today mm -hmm. and that's yeah. that is a wider window from 1980 to uh, 2020 is a wider window of time than you've allowed yourself for your impression because you're talking about a 20-year time period there's a and lot of so things you think, want to forget too you know as to watch much, yeah, exactly <laughs> so many things to forget luckily i was a, a a younger kid and I can't be blamed for my fashion choices because I was a baby, <laughs> but, uh, it just so many things have changed even in modern day. So to say, well, obviously people would be wearing the same thing from generation to generation in no, medieval no. times is a little short sighted. And that's where you get your time window, uh, tightened down, but even tightening down your time window allows for some variations because people from different areas, had access to different equipment and different fashion at different times of the t different times of history. So I do I do English as well, and pretty much the same time period as yours. I I sort of aim at fourteen ten plus or minus about fifteen years is my yeah. my aim there. But I'm from you know an English impression. So at the exact same time in you know fourteen ten in England, the fashion being across the water and kind of an insular culture was actually behind the times from say where fashion generally started in Italy and tended to spread through the continent then into France. And then once it was adopted in France, it came to England. So my impression of 1410 could be wearing a type of contemporary clothing for his culture that is way out of date. If you were to go to Italy in 1410 and whereas I could be wearing, you know, your grandpa's clothes, not to <laughs> so, get an earworm in everyone's head for that song. So you mentioned, you know, the Middle Ages and, and 
people thinking it's one continuous time period. You know, Ian um, over at his uh, YouTube site, Knights Errant, he did a great YouTube section, a uh, great episode where he just, he broke down uh, the Middle Ages, and we'll, we'll we'll include it in the link uh, the link to, in this uh, podcast at the bottom, like we usually do. And, and it's a great listen. He breaks it down um, and get, puts it in perspective. You know, from the Dark Ages to the, the Renaissance, it's not just everyone looked the same. And no, it was a lot of progression, a lot of changes. Uh, might, not as fast as today with the technology we have and the, the, the industrial revolution, but you know, stuff still changed. You know, people didn't wear the clothes their grandparents wore. You know, it it, it changed. So. That's something to take into account as well, and and because you kind of want to stay away from, you know, you know, you, you got to have. We're going to talk about it in, in in depth on another episode. Is but the sources, um, you definitely got to have sources proving, um, what you're trying to portray as well. And uh, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but, you know, when we talk about fashion moving, you're right, 100% right. It, it's it developed in you know, in Italy and moved its way north, and, and England was always, kind of last on the stop. So, and and, and is that what you're if you're into you know, fashion. I mean, that's something that can dictate to where you, you know, you do an Italian impression. It's not always this English and French. I mean, Europe's a big place. So, um, and that's where you get down to that type. I think that type and that those, those, the era and that, that culture you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, you've got time, location and status as we were talking about before. You said your common, your commoner impression is very likely to have access to things that are older and possibly even out of fashion for, in comparison to, say, a noble or a gentry, like a knight or esquire level impression, who would have the means to be on the cutting edge of fashion. And it also changes based on your age. So if you have an older impression, either because you yourself are an older individual portraying an older person, or if you are trying to uh, demonstrate a younger impression, even in the same time time frame and even in the same location you'll see people who have trendier outfits the younger they are and then that's again people in medieval europe were not some alien creatures that didn't operate like us you know you'll see you know the frumpy old man in in last decade suit and then the young kid in something that is radical and the cutting edge of fashion Going so all these all social standards <laughs> exactly well and also the, they're pushing pushing the envelope and they want to look different. They want to make sure, especially with the way that medieval times, well, medieval times, when you think about the social status of an individual in like the high middle ages, we're talking about the, what you wear very much decides what people think of you even more so than today. Take the, the Lamborghini and the Armani suit and multiply that a hundredfold. What you wore showed who you were and you, if you could set yourself apart visually, either by having more sumptuous and expensive things or more progressive fashion, it sort of sets you apart and it helped you climb or at least be perceived differently in the social ladder. And we're talking sumptuary laws and things like that where the nobles versus the merchants with lots of money. We could have a, a whole conversation about that in the <laughs> yeah. future. But these are things you have to decide when you're trying to think of what you want to do for your impression because they will steer a lot of your clothing decisions and your equipment decisions. And actually, when you answer these questions first, instead of trying to fit things that you've purchased into an impression, it makes these choices a lot easier because they start being guided decisions instead of random, personal, or impulsive ones. That's true. And another pitfall – I think just throw it out there is when you're deciding impression, a, a modern 
personal like you you got to be honest with yourself it's something you know you can't you can't um how can i put this down you got to be honest you, you can't you can't just you know f- make an impression fit what you think is cool or or what you you know or hip because that's when you start getting into that role playing um that's when you start you know changing history to fit your filter to to look modernly more um you know pleasing to yourself you got you got to if you're gonna do it you gotta you know you got to look at that impression and in the time period do your research and get your sources and sometimes it's not gonna be as glamorous looking when you actually start to do it um then you know you can change and bring a, a hat from you know the late 15th century and it's nicer it's 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 made of silk it's better looking but it doesn't go with your impression of like the 1400s or vice versa you, you know what i'm saying you got to be True. honest when you start this when you start breaking this down you just you got to put out your modern filters and, and, and not change the facts tailored to your liking. You, you sure. see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And you do have to make a lot of concessions. So say you started with this idea of what a crusader is supposed to look like because you watched a movie, uh, a movie that shall not be named, that got a lot of people interested in crusades. And <laughs> there's a lot of historical inaccuracies. So you get enamored with this visual this idea of what things should look like and as you if you never do the research and you just go with what feels good or what you can rationalize and you've never narrowed down your time your location your status your socioeconomical uh place in the hierarchy it's very easy to make easy like easy to make easy mistakes you can make these decisions that you're ignorant of the truth and other people will see it, and it's you know it puts your community in a difficult place on what are the social what are the social rules on correcting you? Uh, do you only give critique when it's asked for? Do you try and help somebody else along and risk being yeah. called off as a a jerk? So if you do the research first, you'll see that you'll come to accept that these things don't fit together anyway. But if you don't know any better then there's a lot of times that people are making really honest, honest mistakes about what they're putting into their portrayal. And it's costly. Um, not, not only is it time, you know, you're wasting time, you, you know, you put people that social, that, that awkwardness because you come into an event, you're just way off, but you're also wasting your money. Um, I'm gonna lie. When I got back into it, you know, I made some horrible purchase choices. Um, didn't really have an understanding where to start, you know, didn't have a, a um, a group or, you know, guidance. And then I started meeting people and I started, you know, networking. And then I realized, oh man, you know, and I took, I took what they said to heart. You know, I said, oh, they're like, what do you think? Like, yeah, that's, you have Viking silverware, you know, that's not going to be used at this time period and this culture, you know, you're, you're a good couple hundred years behind uh, or, uh, you know, past that. And yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like if you're going to do it, just, you got to be honest. You got to seek help. It's a community where, you know, there's going to be jerks no matter where you go. Um, some people can be blunt, but you got to understand that it's a work in progress. I mean, our impressions that we work with every day, every, you know, all the time we're, we're, we're trying to refine and be better. And then you find something new and you go, Oh, I'm wrong on this. And you definitely cannot, you know, get thin skin and then storm off and quit the, the hobby. If you're, if, you know, you can't do that. Um, the but yeah. best thing for me ever was that moment when I decided that I liked being wrong. Because every time that I accepted something that was incorrect about my knowledge or about my material culture or about what I was trying to portray, I was able to 
improve it. And sometimes it's easy to lose track of the fact that what's most important is being true. And to be true, you have to be accurate and authentic and true to the sources and give it an honest attempt at not fulfilling your own desires because then that's dress up and there's plenty of opportunities for dress up. But when you, when you bridge into from dress up to trying to educate people or trying to create a real living moment from a different point in time, you, you have to admit that it's more than just you. And I have made so much progress in my own development of both my knowledge base and my kit when I really embraced being wrong because it made it easy to ask questions. It made me hungry to do research and it made me eager to find all these little metrics where I can tune the knob, tune the knob on my time frame, on my location, on the things that would have influenced this person. And there's battles I would never have read up on if I hadn't decided on a very narrow time and location that this portrayal came from. There mm -hmm. are, uh, Subjects like textiles and fabric, which not being someone who sews, I really discounted for a very long time until I realized that knowing these things, A, you know, wool was a major export in Britain at the time. So having some idea of what wool actually is from a historical context seemed part of the cultural zeitgeist of my impression. But also it means that I can now vet some of my purchases or if I ever decide to sew uh, vet some of my, uh, fabric purchases better. And so I can improve the state of my kit in, there's a halo of ways you can improve your kit just from learning more. And you have to want to correct your mistakes and to have a mistake be corrected. You have to admit that it was there in oh, the first place. It's just an ever learning process. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I agree because the big shiny pieces that attracted me was, you know, military tactics, the martial aspect of any type of living histories. I'm, I'm a martial person. I like, I like the military aspect. But along the side of that, you know, if you're going to set up a camp, what they eat, you know, um, what they live in, how, how did they conduct camp life? What was hygiene like? Um, you know, a lot, the list goes on and on and on. Like, cause it, it, it's just not one aspect. People just didn't fight, and that's it. That's all they did. I mean they survived and you have to, you have to figure out what, you know, what went along in that, what were their tactics. And you, you start reading these battles that aren't the generic battles, Cressy, um, Agincourt, you know, these, these mainstream battles that we, we all know about, but there's so many more out there and you read it and it's like, you learn something on every one. Um, and you're right. It's, it's, it's a, a continuous process, but the biggest thing before, you know, if we go into it, the next episode, when we start kind of going down to those top three that we discussed time, location, status, I mean, it's just, there, there's so many pitfalls you can fall into movies, TV, other people, um, giving you bad advice. Uh, it, it, it all comes down to how open and receptive you are for criticism, good, good criticism, not, not putting someone down. There's a lot of people out there that will put you down. Um, you'll come in, you don't know much, they're arrogant and you will feel out of place. And those are, those are the people you don't want to hang out with. You know, it's just like anything social you want to, you want to be with the people that are going to pick you up, dust you off and say, Hey, this is this is where you need to start and this is where you need to tighten up and and that's the great thing where it leads into if you can get into a group a good group or start your group of of collective people that that's that's another way of helping each other establish that that persona that uh that impression because now you have a support group within the area and that's what helped me a lot with the kansas city folks when i got back into it um you, in manhattan and kansas city and you know i realized i spent a lot of money on nothing that I had to get rid of and then start almost from scratch, you know?
Now, there's two ways to come into a group. You can have your idea of what it is you want to do and find a group that matches it. But there's also, you could be interested in a half a dozen different things, as most of us are interested in half a dozen different time frames and end up settling on one. And then use that group to help give you a sense of location. So when you're looking at a group, make sure you figure out how your impression may fit in with what the group is currently doing. Say it's not, it's a living history group and they portray a military company from the late 15th century, but you really want to do something from the first crusade. You can get a lot of value and association out of that group, but your impression, if you're not interested in doing a late 15th century impression, probably most definitely will not fit in to what they do. And so if you can find one that is more in the time frame that you're looking for, that's all the better. Or if you're interested in the 15th century and you want to be in this group and you don't really have any idea of where to go with it, then you can find out how you can fit in there. What do they need for their camp portrayals? How can you fill in the gaps? And then once you take ownership over this particular time period, perhaps you can pursue other avenues. Oh yeah, uh, you, you know we go to events like uh, Days and Nights, and you know every reenactor there has other hobbies. You know a lot of them do Civil War, um, you know uh, Renaissance, Crusade. They 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 have their their set dedicated one where they have a you know they're in groups and they all they're part of other groups. Um, but at the end, it's a support system. I think you know that's that's the best part. You're gonna have those people that are gonna help steer and guide you um, to give you the best advice they can to help you know you continuously improve your impression. Um, but when the end of the day, the biggest thing I think of anything we can do is research, you know, get, get out there, crack open the, the, the world wide web, get the books out, hit your library, start, start somewhere, start small, you know, I'm not and after thinking, you've answered. After you answered these questions, it gives you an idea of what to research, because if you just say, go do your research, well, we've just talked about 3000 years where do you start (laughs) various cultures to look into. But if you can say, well, I'm really interested in this particular time frame or say this particular battle. So now you know what the time frame is, you know what the the belligerent parties are so you can pick a culture. You can really start to narrow down that research. But something that I really I have to bring up, even though it feels obvious, when you're doing research, TV will lie to you about <laughs> everything. Yep. Absolutely yeah. and, everything. And that's one of the, you know, we go to these 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 uh, events and it's like everyone has the idea that, you know, they, what they saw on Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or, you know, uh kingdom of heaven and stuff that's just that's so bad um, that was the movie that should not be named yeah but the, the, the great thing about these is it it sparks people's interest though you know they see this stuff and then when it's great when they come to these events you're you're in your your your, your soft kit you're in your armor you have the tools that were actually used you, you know the weapons the tools the, the, the cooking devices and they see it and they go oh yeah that doesn't make sense or yeah that that that's i didn't know that you know because they don't see the actual the so what behind a lot of the things because all they want to see is you know guys jumping off horses and hacking up 30 dudes um over right. an hour and just running and there's around. a lot to be said about making something entertaining and i know there's like todd's workshop he's got a great video on why they make certain concessions because he he's made or at least as far as i understand he has videos about how he makes swords and props and things for movies and he gives a little idea of 
behind why they make those concessions. But mm-hmm. the fact is that it is undeniable that we have to make concessions for movies. So movies are not real research. Even documentaries are not real research. They can give you an idea on where to do more research and they can definitely help. But if you're trying to take something off of this TV screen and make that your impression, you will most likely be making an incalculable number of errors. But you're saying that you go to the group and someone talks about Game of Thrones and we're able to steer them right with talking about how we do. That means that other reenactors are clearly the best resources for research, right, Todd? Oh yeah, well you got, that, that's <laughs> you got to stay with that too because you know he heard it from you know so and so and so and so said it and this is the way we did it and that's when you start seeing you know samurai swords appear out of nowhere and oh it, it, this could have happened and that this could have would have should have no it's it, it, the artwork is you know the 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 witness accounts the artwork that's gonna give you mm-hmm. the best sources you know out there the, the stuff that they actually drew instead of a Polaroid camera or a digital camera taking a picture. They drew it, and and yes, some of the stuff can be exaggerated. There was no lizard chickens out there attacking a village like you always see, or killer bunnies, but or giant snails. The snails <laughs> are the scary it, ones. It, but it's something to the, it was, it, to them that was their you know that was their way to to, to depict or, um, or a joke. I don't I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a monk. I, I don't I never done research in why those things are or how they are. But the armor that you see, the clothes, the 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 tools and materials they have, it's all in the pictures. It's right there for you. No, there's. There are some artifacts with these pictures that, like we we're talking about, when you're talking about uh, pictures, you're talking about illuminations, namely yep. from manuscripts and things. Yep, yep. Uh, they also have their own problematic artifacts that you need to be careful of. For instance, if you have a Bible that was illuminated in the 14th century, but it's representing like the crucifixion, they very well may use armor of their day because it's more yep. visually understood by the the audience that it was written for and would not work as a source for Roman equipment in yeah, exa- you know, and that's the, the best the part of CE. So yeah, those are things you need to be careful of too. But what I was really getting at before about other reenactors is that the majority of us are passionate, but not professionals. I don't have a history degree and I know a very small pr- uh, section of us are historians from an academic sense. So while you can use other reenactors as resources, always, you know, trust, but verify, trust, but verify and do Mm -hmm. your own research. They get to sound as knowledgeable as they are because they have digested all of this information out there. They've read the books. They've looked at the pictures. They've studied the extent garments, if they can get their hands on them. And then they were able to package that up for you. But if you don't do those things yourself, you're never going, you'll always have secondhand information. And so we don't, we get these problems that you see because you have these second generation living history folk who only listen to, to what their elders, so to speak, have told them about mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be doing. So back to the sources. And then when you understand the sources themselves, you're able to interpret them more accurately, like what we were speaking about with artifacts in, in illumination. Yeah, and this is going to be a great episode down the road of like, good. How do we source things? You know, what's a good? Where are some good sources? Um, and there's some good stuff out there. And, and thanks to the internet, you know, there's there's no more going to you know the university library, going to the deep darn dungeon and and getting some of these books. And it's all people put them on the internet. You know, it's all on the internet for you. But you're you're right. It, it you got to get away from that. You know, 
oh Tom, who's been doing reenactment for thirty years, he can't be wrong. Well, you know, again, you got to you can't you can't put your personal twist on things because it, you like this, you mm-hmm. like the you like the look or the feel or, or or you you know that you know that you gotta you can't you can't that's that's you changing history. So it's gotta but be it, you gotta be yourself. It helps triangulate things. So say your old old Tom, as you were talking about, says it one way, and you see it on a documentary on. Uh, video and it seems to corroborate what he says and then you go find the illumination online and then you find a uh, academia published article and then you know something written by a a doctor of history and they all you got four or five six different things that all say the same come to the same conclusion about a bit of your kit then you can with reasonable confidence say that you are being correct about that. So while you don't want to ignore them completely, you have to remember that no one person or movie or book will give you everything that you need. So research is really a multidisciplinary approach between people, books, uh, modern books that translate things. Like I'm, I will never, I can barely learn French, modern French off of Duolingo. I'm, I'm not even ready, nearly ready for you know, middle French, if that's even a thing. I mean, there's middle English. I'm assuming that that the French from the 14th century is different than the French that is spoken today in Paris. So there's somebody who's translated that for me. But at the same time, I can also look at the original manuscript and see how it was formatted. And I can also look at the original illumination. And that just creates multiple points of confidence when I'm working with any one piece of my kit. Yeah, and I'm not trying to, you know, take away from the veterans out there that that do it. I'm just saying, you know, because I, I can lie. Some of the best conversations we have are like, you know, when we're at days and nights, um, we're sitting at uh, um, Joe's tent and we're all discussing a certain topic or something, and 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 we go into depths. And it makes me. What I do though is, this is what was put out. You know, this is what so and so said. I said, oh, that sounds interesting. So I take it back, and that's what I go back and research on my own and say and, and verify and then delve even deeper. Than just the conversation we had and 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 it's another way of sharing information but at the same time like i said verify and check because you're going to learn something even more than what you know the person was describing or, or explaining to you and and it, you know it's just and then just one more thing you know in your kit bag you know what i mean but there's of course you're going to learn from the old guys and the veterans out there that do it but that you still have to research your own information Right. The best veterans that you'll ever meet are the ones who not only can give you the information, but can also tell you where they got that information from and will also tell you where to go start reading on your own. I think I've learned more from the guys who say, yeah, it looked like this and you should totally read this book because based on this conversation, I think you'll love it. And yeah. those those are, are probably my, my favorite mentors are the ones who really know know their stuff and know where to steer new kids so that they can develop the same proficiency as themselves. Yeah. So I'm All thinking right. I'm thinking we, we kind of put an end on this episode here. And then next mm-hmm. week we die or the next episode, we dive into more in depth on the time, location and status. Um, you know, because you, you talk about status and it's not only the status you're trying to impress, but can you afford to portray that status? You know what I mean? Like there's certain yeah, things. And it's an incredibly so. complicated conversation about status alone, yeah. much less so, the other so, big two. So next, next episode, I think we, we bring in, we can bring in hopefully our first guest mm-hmm. and then we can dive into these three topics even deeper um, than kind of just breezing over like we did. Um, right. but, but like you said, we could talk for another two hours about this stuff. But we won't to save our listeners the anguish. We'll, we'll do it in some other episodes because Todd, you created a contest out of thin air. 
So we did. So uh, I announced that if we can get 100 uh, likes on our Facebook page, uh, we would give away a $20 gift certificate to Historical Enterprises, which we, uh, we as soon as I reminded everyone again, uh, we made it in like three minutes after that. Ari and I, we randomly picked a number off the, uh, the list of names, and, and we came up with a name. Uh, that name is Josh Warren. Congratulations, Josh. Yeah, right. We'll send that. So we'll get that out. Josh, uh, straight to you. I appreciate you listening. Tune in. Hey, get if we can get to 200 likes, maybe we'll do another drawing. Uh, so keep keep spreading the word, keep sending us uh, words of encouragement, keep sending us, you know, improves on how we can uh, make our podcast or what topics we. If we're wrong, if we, if something comes up in this podcast that you disagree with, send us a message on Facebook, and we can talk about it on Facebook, and then we can bring it up in a conversation. Um, again, Ari and I are are still rookies at this. We're we're kind of you know we've been doing it for a while, but still, I mean, we're learning every day. And I'm definitely not thin-skinned, neither is Ari. So if, if you feel like we gave bad information, let us know, and we'll correct ourselves, and we'll kind of discuss it on, on the, uh, the Facebook. Hell, we might even bring you on a guest, and uh, you can you can you know give your aspect on what we're talking about. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, all right, uh, we went a little long, but I appreciate you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you in another week or so. Thanks for listening, folks. Bye.